for, for God's favor. Um, Lord, you are so kind and you are wonderful. I confess the authority of your word, Isaiah 55, that your ways are really higher than our ways and your thoughts are above us. And what an amazing task to try to know your heart and know your mind. And I ask that you give your grace right now to us, please. Thank you so much for the way you love us with an unfailing love. And uh, each person that's here, folks online, would you please bless and show us your grace and favor. In Jesus' name, I pray. So on Sunday mornings, we're digging through Proverbs. The Hebrew word, Dakota, is kokma. Kokma. And it means wisdom in Hebrew. And wisdom it is a broad, deep idea in the Hebrew language, and it refers to knowledge, insight, understanding. It refers to the, to the ability to make a good decision, you know, to be wise, to be smart. It refers to the intellect. So what if we applied wisdom to social justice? Social justice. So this is where we're going to go today uh, as, as, as I'm walking through Proverbs. There's a section about protecting those that can't protect themselves. We'll get to that. But the idea is sanctity of life, uh, Sunday today, and picking a fight. Uh, here's something you might not be aware of, that 98% of human trafficking victims are female. They're female. Brian, I don't know how close you guys are. You know, I'm sure there's a, maybe a division even dedicated for that. But um, uh, it's really, really serious, and it's a global problem. Uh, uh, to be very, very pointed, uh, the Epstein issue in his island, that's only a small, small part of the global problem. Okay, this is a really serious matter. And so now remember the assumption is at Christ Church that we're believers. Okay, that's the idea. We're Christians. And as followers of Jesus, what are the, the social obligations that we have? So let's look through this stuff. Um, and, and you'll see what's important here, or why I'm arguing for this. First of all, is social justice a biblical concept? That might be a good way to jump in. We see so much on, on uh, the news, all the news outlets, internet, Facebook, all this stuff, and they're talking about how black lives matter, and they do, and how all lives matter, and they do, and cops you know, police lives matter, and they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we ought to be the first in the fight that if there's social injustice, and if, uh, if an African-American or an Asian or anybody is being treated with injustice and there's racism, then we as Christians ought to be the first to hammer that on the spot, deal with it right then, right there, on the spot, and step in between uh, that situation of injustice and fight for the person being oppressed. That's like the default setting. By the way, let me tell you a little bit about me and one of, one of my many default settings. Uh, because I was raised in a really abusive home where there's lots of physical violence. If I'm in Kroger and I see, you're smiling, what I'm talking about, and I see some mom going nuttos on their kids, I will interrupt them. <laughs> And I will change the subject. I'll get between them. If I see a man doing it, he's going to get a tap on the Hey, buddy, how you doing today? Because I, are y'all okay? Huh? And do I need to stay here and talk with you? Because I want to diffuse the situation. Or I am even willing to have them redirect the aggression toward me and not the child. 
that's a, that's a default setting in me. And so Lisa might say, it's not always fun to go to Kroger with me. Um, so Matthew 23, Jesus is teaching, and he's pronouncing about eight woes onto the Pharisees. And he says, look, you scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, which means literally in Greek, you're two-faced. Um, you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice. Crisis is the Greek word, and guess what it means? It means justice. It means to judge fairly is what it means. Uh, and mercy and faithfulness. Okay, you want to be, you want to make sure you're doing little tiny things? Great, but don't neglect the big things. If you're going to do it, do it all. Otherwise, you become a blind guide, and you strain out a gnat, and you swallow a camel. Yeah, you think it's really righteous to tithe from your mint garden. Fine, that's the little thing, the gnat. But you swallow the camel that you will not commit to justice and to mercy and to faithfulness. Look at this one, Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. And he said, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, Randy, you and I know that's the gospel. Right, that's the gospel. Uh, is Jesus launching... Worldwide social justice campaigns here? Nope. No, he's not. You answered well. This is about the gospel. But guess what? That's where it starts. The gospel is where this thing starts. And you'll see why very soon. All right. So let's, let's jump in. What about social justice? Luke 18. This is an interesting parable. Jesus teaches that there, uh, a certain city was a judge who did not fear God. So this is an unrighteous judge doesn't fear God, did not respect any person. Now there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but he later said to himself, Even though I don't fear God, nor respect any person, yet because this widow is bothering me, I will give her justice. I will give her a fair ruling. Otherwise, by continually coming to me, she will wear me out. <laughs> and in that story, Jesus is saying that if, that's, if a wicked judge has enough sense to say, you know what, this woman's bugging me. I need to give her the justice she deserves because I'm tired of her constantly knocking on my door. God says, hey, how much more? Or Jesus says, how much more is God quick to open the door to hear the prayer of a Christian who's being abused? And God's going to move quickly to defend that person. So how about this one? Let's talk about fighting, picking a fight for children and the defenseless. Can we substantiate some things there? Look at Deuteronomy. It says, Cursed is one who misleads a person who is blind on the road. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is one who distorts justice do a stranger, an orphan, or a widow, and all the people shall say amen. The word here in Hebrew for justice is mishpat. Mishpat. That is justice. And, it, and it, justice is a great translation. It also means judgment. Can you make a decision that is good and right and fair? If you do, that's mishpat. That's justice. You've judged well. Okay, that's the idea. So it is absolutely in the Old Testament scriptures that those who follow God 
cannot do injustice nor allow injustice towards strangers, orphans, or widows. Why? Because they're defenseless. That's why. They're defenseless. Um, Psalm 139. For you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows this very well. There is no more dangerous place for a human being on planet Earth than a mother's womb. The most dangerous place for a baby to live is mother's womb. Serious, serious business. And yet God says, Yehovah, Elohim, the creator God, that he literally weaves together a human being in the womb of the mother. We must fight for the defenseless, and that includes, without question, the unborn. Now, this is from Proverbs 24 as I'm working through the book. If you show yourself lacking courage on the day of distress, your strength is small, your strength is meager. Rescue those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to the slaughter. Well, hold them back. And if you say, see, we didn't know this, does he who weighs the hearts not consider it? And does he who watches over your soul not know it? And will he not repay a person according to his works? Those are really strong words from the book of Proverbs. That when we see somebody in an abuse process, if we don't step in to stop them, God is going to hold us accountable for that. Wow. Wow. Brian, I, I, I cannot imagine the number of fights you had to step in on when some big, big person is waylaying the life out of some little person. I cannot imagine how many times that's happened. And, and maybe there's a little anger that, that uh, boils up in you, or maybe it's just the furious heart of compassion that you have for the little one. But yeah. When it comes to the day when we need to throw the punch, when we need to, to have strength and we are weak, Proverbs says, hey, a fight came to your front door. You are not willing to, to throw the punch. You're weak. Your strength is meager. And that's sad because there are people that need rescuing because they are being in chains, taken away to death. And we are the ones that are supposed to grab them and say, no, 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 come on back. And to the oppressor, you will face me now. They were easy to pick on me, not so much. That's what Proverbs is teaching. Now remember, we're Christians, right? Remember, we are supposed to be committed to kokma, wisdom. The ability to think and rule and judge and act with the very mind of God. Therefore, we have to step in between the big bad person and the little person who's defenseless. We have to. And if we don't, when it comes to the day of distress, we prove ourselves cowards or just weak. We've got to pick the fight. And it's got to be the right fight, right? I think children's worth fighting for. Defenseless and kids, absolutely unquestioned, worth fighting for. This little five-five stick of dynamite put me in Kroger, and I will, I, uh, my strength will not be meager at that moment. 
All right, this is really an amazing thing. Uh, talk about social justice. Anybody know who this girl is? Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie Hill Perry. Boom. Yeah. Jackie Hill Perry is an amazing lady. She's deeply committed to Jesus Christ, unashamed of the gospel, and wow, is she a poet. You yes, know. she is. She, she's a smart lady, an amazing lady. So she recently was, was giving a teaching on social justice, and this is what she said. She said, if you want to look at how committed you are to social justice, ask yourself, who do you invite to your table? Who's having dinner with you? Who are you inviting over to your house? And if you're white and you never invite a black person or you're black and you never invite a white person or you're Asian or you're just cool like Stephen and you're Choctaw, you know, and all the cool stuff and you never invite, you know, a non-Native American over to your house, all that kind of stuff, then maybe you've got a little bit of a racial problem. Maybe you, you think you're all, I'm all for justice. Really? How welcome is a black at your dinner table? How welcome are they? Luke 14. Now he went on to say to the one who had invited him to dinner, whenever you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor wealthy neighbors, otherwise they may also invite you to a meal in return, and they will be, and that will be your payment. It's called reciprocity, right? But whenever you give a banquet, invite people who are poor, who have disabilities, who are limping, and people who are blind. And you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you but you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jackie Hill's on to something. Who you invite to the dinner table, who you invite to have coffee, says a lot about what's going on inside of you. And if we are going to be in pursuit of wisdom and the wisdom of God, kokma, then we need to pick a fight, and it's over meal sharing. When we do that, we are engaging in social justice. Okay. How about this one? Spiritually and morally weak. This is John 8. It's, it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, Jesus uh, is, is being manipulated by Pharisees and scribes and all that stuff. And they staged an adultery event. They staged it. And they brought in a guy. And they, there was a known prostitute. They staged the event. Uh, he went in to, to, to see this woman, and in the act, they rush in the door and say, Aha, we caught you. And they let the guy go. I have no idea what he was paid. I don't know. They let him go, but they take her in shame, drag her out to the open courtyard at a place where it, it's actually designed for public shaming. They do that. Uh, in, their, in the ancient Mediterranean world, by shaming someone publicly, you create kind of a moral uplift. You, you create a, a, a more, uh, you motivate the good guys to stay good. How the, it's called setting an example. You, you know about that. And uh, so they're going to make an example out of this woman. But in so doing, they're going to prove that Jesus Christ is not who he said he was. 
And Jesus, after, after using kokma, wisdom, he said to the guys, oh, 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 oh you, you think Moses said, the woman does this, she should be stoned. Okay, all right, fine. He bends over, writes down, we have no idea what he said. Some people say he wrote down the names of the, the girlfriends that they had, but we don't know that. Uh, some say he wrote down the Ten Commandments. We have no idea what he wrote. But, but he did, when he stood up, he said, oh, okay, all right, tell you what. If you've never sinned, throw the first stone. Or you want mine? <laughs> throw this. I got a good rock here. Why don't you throw it? And, and at that point, it says, beginning with the oldest, they dropped their rock and they walked away. And then Jesus says to the woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? So she looks around and she says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. From now on, do not sin anymore. Yeah. How's that for social justice? Fighting for somebody that's struggling spiritually. Fighting for somebody who's struggling morally. Wow. That's beautiful. How about Romans 14, 21? It's good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything but which your brother or your sister stumbles. Fighting for a brother, fighting for a sister. I think it's beautiful. James 5, our brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Isn't that beautiful? But here's the question. Who's willing to grab him by the cuff and say, hey, whoa, 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 come on back, come on back. Who's willing to turn him back? Somebody has got to notice and someone has got to get in the fight and step in between the situation and say, come on back. Come on. We're going to coffee. Come on. We've got to talk. We've got to talk. And when that person has eyes to see and a heart to feel the pain of someone struggling spiritually, someone struggling morally, and they do what it takes to turn them back, that's acting like Jesus. And in so doing, a multitude of sins are covered. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Jude 1... Um, have mercy on those who doubt. Sometimes we who have all the answers like to shame people who doubt. <laughs> Some people struggle with doubt. Maybe you do. Have mercy on those who doubt as opposed to shaming those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. And what Jude is saying, these are people who have become Christians or claim to at least started that process, and they go back to dabble in the pagan cults in Ephesus and places like that. And they're, they're going back to some really bad things. And there was, in fact, uh, fire offered in a lot of these pagan temples and all kinds of stuff. And Judah's saying, hey, rescue them from that mess. Again, somebody's got to notice. Somebody's got to help turn them back. That is picking a fight that's worth fighting for. Those who are spiritually and morally weak. Okay, how about the poor? This is really interesting. Um, abundant food is in the uncultivated ground of the poor, but it is swept away by injustice. Injustice, mishpat lo. It means no justice. When people who have the ability do not protect the poor. One who despises 
his neighbor sins, but one who is gracious to the poor is blessed. One who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. Can you, can you, let's park there for just a bit. When you oppress the poor, you taunt his maker. What do you think's going on there? What do you mean taunt his maker? What would that be? You're mocking God. You're saying the poor man deserves what he gets. And let's go ahead and really make it, make him feel bad. <laughs> let's really shame the already shamed guy. And, and Proverbs says that when you do that, you're mocking God. You're taunting the maker. Elohim, creator God of this poor person. But the one who is gracious to the needy honors God. It's beautiful. Proverbs 19.7, one who is gracious to a poor person. It's as though you're lending to the Lord. And he will repay him for his good deed. You know, Jesus says, hey, in that day, uh, it will be said of you. When I was in prison, you came to see me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a glass of water. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was cold, you gave me a cloak. He said, if you do it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. How we treat people can actually, it relates to how we treat God. It's really fascinating. Proverbs 22, um, one who is generous will be blessed because he gives some of his food to the poor. Social justice, mishpah. What about this one? Let's, let's just let's land the plane here because I want to turn it over to you guys. It's going to be good. Life application. Number one, how we treat people can reflect the character of God and the teachings of Jesus. How we treat people can reflect the character of God and the teachings of Jesus. Secondly, how we treat people can reflect how Jesus treated us. Soak that up. How we treat people can reflect how Jesus has treated us. For example, Matthew seven twelve. So therefore I say to you in everything, treat people the way you want them to treat you. Luke 6, 31, Romans 15, 7, all these passages, Ephesians, Colossians, say, look, as Jesus has treated you, so treat others. Has Jesus, can anybody here, let's put some pressure on. Let's raise our hands and really make it count. You ready? Anybody here been abused by God? Anybody here been treated horribly by Jesus? Any, anybody? <laughs> like Jesus really did you wrong. Anybody? <laughs> no. Have, haven't you received mercy? Haven't you? Of course you have. As you have received mercy, give mercy. As you have received forgiveness, give forgiveness. And in fact, if we have been generously forgiven and mercy poured out on us abundantly, Romans 5, and we don't show mercy, mercy to others? Uh-oh. That's not good. When we fight for the rights and protection of the defenseless, we act like Jesus. That's what he did. He said, I, I'm, I'm the physician and I came for the sick. I'm not here for the well. Jesus was radically committed to meeting the needs of people and protecting them. Now, by the way, the average, 
The average present Jew, Randy, in Jerusalem, were they oppressed? And who were the oppressors? I just still put you on the spot. So, they were oppressed by the Romans. Yep. And they, the, the Messianic Jews were oppressed by the Pharisees. Yes, yes, absolutely. Is that what you're going after? Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, it's not even the Messianic Jews, just the Pharisees oppressed. I don't know if you're aware of this. You know, okay, Brian's an officer. And, and it, man, of all the places you could be, you're here. And that makes me so happy. So, the Pharisees had a police force. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. They did have a police force, and they were always undercover, right? And they would have clubs and sticks and ways to hurt people. And the, the Pharisees instead would dispatch them to punish people. In fact, you may remember, I taught this, it's been several months ago. I even have a poem I, that, I, that I located in my research, a song that was written that talks about the Pharisees and scribes and the thug, the thug group that they send out to beat people up. And they wrote a song about it. I've got the song. <laughs> Can you imagine? Here comes a little rock cop. He's going to smack me in the head and it's going to go pop. And they write that. I'm serious. That's what it is. It literally rhymes. It's, it's a song about being abused by the thugs hired by the Pharisees. These were oppressed people, and Jesus fought for them. Did Jesus ever fly off the handle toward Rome? No. Never. Who did he get angry with? High-level, powerful religious leaders in Judaism. That's the one he stepped in the middle. Talk about getting in the middle of the fight at Walmart. That's what Jesus did. He stepped in the middle between the poor peasantry being abused, and the abuser, Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees. He stepped in the middle, and then he started using names, like snakes, <laughs> like vipers, like you whitewashed tomb. Jesus was committed to protecting the defenseless. Okay, check this out right here. These are some examples of agencies, ministries that you could start a fight with. You can pick a fight with these guys, all right? The first one, Voice of the Martyrs. If that's the fight you want to get in on, you want to pick that fight, good. You can, uh, we, we do that at Christ Church. We are supporting five pastors that are functioning under the wire in Muslim-dominant countries. Okay? We don't even know their names. All right? And it's a trust thing between me and VOM, and I trust them. But we are, the money that we give, it's about like 30 bucks a pastor that 30 bucks a month gives them food and medical supplies so that these guys know their wives and kids are okay and they can get out uh, under their wire and do kingdom work. Right? So that's one way you can get on the fight. The other way is to support Little Rock police officers like Brian Pope or North Little Rock or Maumelle, etc. I, I, I can't think of anybody that steps in faster than, than Brian Pope. Uh, it's unthinkable the pressure that these guys are under, and they have got to, they have got to be professional, <laughs> right? Under the most stressful situations possible. You want to get on the fight? If you find a cop, buy him lunch, buy him coffee. Just say, hey, 
I want you to know that I appreciate what you do. I'm paying for your lunch. I'm, I'm buying your coffee, and I want you to know that I, I appreciate you, and I'm going to be praying for you. You do that with a cop, and he's going to go. How, you tell me. How would it make you feel? If somebody did that, total stranger. It, it, it happens, periodically. More often today than I used to. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, not me. Doing somebody else. I know I'm appreciated. Yeah. I yeah. do it. You are. Other officers. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, it's kind of, it's a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> you know? It, yeah. 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 But yeah. But you need encouragement too, right? Yeah. Same thing. Do it with a soldier. Do it with a soldier. See a gal in uniform. A gal in uniform. Okay, the call. This is this ministry based at Little Rock to help kids with no families have a place to live. So no kid is left behind. Uh, the DHS system right now is so overwhelmed. I think Andrew, you know this and others. The kids, are, they have no place to put them, so they're staying on the floors in offices in the DHS building because they have no place to live. Nobody will take them. Get in the fight. There you go. Now, uh, National Right to Life, Bruce and Janice Trice are actually representatives of National Right to Life. And, I, you know, I talked to Bruce and Janice this morning, and they're, they're praying about this stuff. Um, that's another fight you can get in on. Okay. Now, the two on the bottom... You got to have some Rambo in you, okay? <laughs> warning, warning! You got to have some some gas in your tank for this stuff, because uh, the International Justice Mission is stepping in between dangerous situations, and you can actually join the the, the Justice Mission staff, be a part of that, do logistics. You can actually even move on the ground now. Operation Underground Railroad. There, there's your Rambo dudes. That is staffed by former CIA, former Navy SEALs, former Special Forces, retired cops who've had enough, and they went in on the fight. And they're actually boots on the ground in very dangerous places on planet Earth. Uh, there's a place on the Indian border between uh, a particular nation that is one of the most high-traffic areas. It's a large airport, and it's really, really a high-trafficking, human-trafficking area, so they'll be there. And they're, they, you know, the bad guys bump, they go bump back. They go bump in the night, too. I think it's really cool. So there's things we can do. By the way, uh, Operation Underground Railroad, you can, or you can go to their website and go through a training program on how to recognize someone who may be in a trafficking slave situation because they're signs. And you can pay attention. By the way, truckers have the same kind of deal going on. There's a, there's a truckers union where they're trained to learn how to spot people that may be trafficked right now in, in, in slave situations. So, by the way, um, they're in Little Rock schools. There are human slaves, human trafficked pe- people right now in Little Rock school systems, in North Little Rock school systems. And they're right under the noses of school teachers. Yeah, serious business, Carrie. strongly with governments all across the world right now especially in the Philippines the Philippines is like one of the highest child sex trafficking in the world Yeah, and uh, they are working tirelessly with the Philippine government to step in the middle wow 
Wow. Um, Carrie, I, I just recently read that the human trafficking as a business is ranked at about a $150 billion business per year. Per year. Wow. And yeah. sadly, in other countries, I'm not sure about um, in the United States, but I know in the Philippines especially, because my parents work with International Justice Mission. There, right, right. Um, but it's a lot of time the families or a family member yeah. that is selling the child. Yeah, and, and boy, that's right out of the ancient Mediterranean world. They did that in Rome. They did that in Palestine. Jews did that, Randy. They'd sell their kids. Bad. It's really bad. So, um, so yeah, so the whole point of this morning is kokmas, wisdom, and getting in on the fight, you know? Um, if you're not in on the fight, you know, what are you fighting for? What's going on? Uh, <laughs> can I can I say something really funny? It's got a little bit of a barb in it. Maybe it's a little. I promise you I'm a nice guy. And just think, in shirts, we can get so stressed out if that music guy sings the same song again. Oh my gosh, how frustrating is that? Why can't we get some good music? Or that dumb little preacher, why does he, why does he say the same thing over and over and over again? Boy, it's such a struggle. Bless our hearts. Isn't it hard to follow Jesus? <laughs> yeah. What kind of fight are you in on? Where's your battles? Where's the battle line? What's really going to get your gander up? What's it going to be? How you treat people can reflect the character of God and the teachings of Jesus. How we treat people can reflect how Jesus has treated us. When we fight for the rights and protection of the defenseless, we act like Jesus. So who's God calling you to fight for? I love this quote, John Stuart Mill. Uh, he is credited as being the originator of the idea, when good men do nothing, evil prevails. He said, bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. Yeah, that was about 1867 when he said that. So, all right. You are the gifted body of Christ. And if you have a heart full of wisdom, we got to get in on the fight. We can't lay back and be passive and live in some virtual world on our iPhones or something like that. So what do you think? Christ Church, own this thing. Stephen, someone online, they engage it. Anybody? How would we live this, this out that God wants us to be committed to social justice? And to get in on the fight. What should a church do? What should we do? Actually, I know this is my first time here, so I'm just going to. Um, so what I was just thinking about is um, in James' first chapter, talks about how human anger does not produce the righteousness that God yes. desires. Yes. And so when we are standing up for the defenseless, at what point do we need to be aware of our human anger? And at what point do we need to be aware of our righteous anger? Yeah. And how do we balance that? Yeah, great question. Brian, you're the best guy qualified to answer that one because of a little thing called blue rage or street justice. How would you answer? You handle 
the situation at hand, and then you can rage afterwards. Because if you rage during it, you'll be put, you'll be take, taken to the uh, shame. Into yeah, the shame. you'll be in the place of shame. Yeah. You'll be on video yes. footage, on Facebook because accounts, you, all over the world. Because you've overreacted or because you overreact. And if you overreact, you're the bad guy. Yeah. If you were barking the loudest, you're the bad guy. Yeah. Right? More of a criminal than the criminal. Yeah. Uh, even if you handle the situation correctly, if it's perceived as being wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. Even if you're right. Yeah. 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 It's powerful. It's powerful. You got ice water in your veins, brother, to stay cool in the most dangerous situations. Yeah. Yeah. And to be candid, sometimes we have a little chip on our shoulders, don't we? Yeah. We do. And sometimes we can blend our anger and assuming it's God's anger, we press forward and then we're, we're the ones in handcuffs. Yeah. You can say something without raising your voice and being angry and actually make your point better. Do you remember the teaching? Start raging. Remember the teaching Sunday that a soft word can what? Turn away wrath and... Yeah, or break a bone. Break a bone, right. Gentleness Gentleness. has bone-breaking power. Because in any of the Bible stories we hear, the only time that Jesus is really, really mad is at the money changers in the temple. Yeah. But other than that, when he talks to people, he might be firm, but he, you never hear him raging against them. He's always, he's always full mercy, but he doesn't shirk from the truth. And I think that's what God expects from us. Yeah, uh, I love John one seventeen. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? And you got to have both. It can't be all grace. It can't be all truth. It's got to be both. Stephen, anybody online? Okay. Someone else on how we live this out. To be people who followed the way of Jesus and to fight for those who are defenseless. Anything else? Yes, yes. Thank you, Alicia. In fact, you, Philip, Cody, and others have really committed to doing Christian ministry to the handicapped. And I think that is beautiful. Absolutely. Someone else. Chris, um, when we act like Jesus in those situations and we are fighting for the rights and protection of the defenseless um, or those who are oppressed, it's one of our ways of showing the gospel and spreading yes. the gospel. Yeah. And yeah. people see the difference between someone who's just barking and um, being loud and not really having any of the truth and grace behind it, but actually seeing God's gospel lived out in these situations. And they see that and are curious about it. Yeah. Oh, isn't that good? That's so good. Terry. Yes, sir. 
cautionary tale, if I may. <laughs> Going back to my high school days, uh, we had a history teacher who was uh, handicapped in that he was, one leg was shorter than the other, one shoulder was higher than the other, uh, but he had a marvelous sense of humor and he was a great teacher. Taught science. And I was in the hallway and understand that I'm a football hero. I'm five foot 11, 185 pounds, and in the peak of health. And there were a couple of three guys who were making funny fun of science teacher. And I went off on him. Uh, I got really angry. Uh, I did I don't like bullies to begin with. Uh, yeah. And yeah. at that time, uh, to say right. that I was not afraid of confrontation is an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them started to walk away from me and I had a book or a notebook, and I threw it and hit him in the back of the head. Did it feel good <laughs> at the time? <laughs> at the time. It did. <laughs> and of course, there were 37 people in the hallway, two teachers, and they immediately marched me down to the principal. And I told them what was going on, and they let me off with a stern warning that they did not uh, allow fighting in the hallway at school. And, but the lesson that I really got was later on when this teacher took me aside after class. Ooh. And he said, thank you, but I really don't need you protect me hmm. and uh, that was my learning moment <laughs> at the time and I hadn't thought about that until just now when we're talking about getting in between people yeah yeah as Brian will confirm there's a right and a wrong way of doing it yeah yeah uh, and we need to stop and think, how would Jesus handle mm, this? Mm, yeah. Before we jump in with both feet. Yeah. Of which, I've got another Navy story to go along <laughs> with that, but I will save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. But, <clears throat> right now, John Stuart Mill, uh, is speaking the truth. Yeah, he is. I'm glad you get fire in your belly. True story. I'm in the first grade. Okay. There's a kid whose name is Billy Blow. I am not kidding. That with his, that, that's what his name was. First grade. And I'm like on the second row. He's in the, behind me back left. And he was different. And he had a knot that stuck out like this. And I swore he ate a crayon, and it stuck right there, and it was sticking out of his head. 
I, he was different, and I was scared of this little kid, you know. And I could have gone over and sat by him, but I was so young. At six years of age, I was more afraid of him than he, he is of me. Yeah, the teacher was an adult and didn't need you to fight for the teacher, but boy, did you win his heart. I know you did. And, but, I, but you know what? There was a bunch of girls and boys probably bullied that would need you. Yeah. So this is so good. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Yeah. You've got to get in on the fight. Somebody else, why this matters? Stephen Patch? Yeah. As a sense of just desperation. Yeah. And it can become very crippling. It's an attack of the enemy that we see all this stuff going on. And as I work through this myself, I'm realizing that it starts with my spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we live this out? How do we work through these things? And, you know, thumbing through IJM's website real quick, there are so many places that you can put your hand on, whether it's giving money, there are applications for volunteerism and I think that the message of Jesus and the gospel message is that you're not confined to be like Terry. You're not confined to be like me, you're like you. And those giftings help define the complete body of love that we are supposed to encapsulate in Christ. And so practically in trying to ask myself and maybe ask those, you know, try to answer the question that maybe a lot of folks are asking, what can I do? Pick your fight. And, and that's exactly right. God is not asking us to pick this fight or that fight. He's saying, pick a fight that you know, based on your gifting and based off of that confidence that you have in Christ, to do that. Yeah. But yeah. it starts with, with us and what, and what we're capable of. Yeah. That means figuring out where our gifts are and where we can. And use them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's something powerful about being able to lay your head down at night and feel good about your day. Yeah. You know that? Something really powerful about that. It's not about popping the champagne bottle and hanging out with buddies. That has its place. But when you lay your head down on that pillow at night, do you believe that you've made a difference in this world for the kingdom of God? And those who need safety, found safety. Those who need truth, found truth. Those who need love, found love. Because you embody the gospel of Jesus on two legs. Stephen. Yeah, Frank Frank says, uh, he's referencing 1 Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Yeah. 
Wow. Thank you, Frank. That nailed it. Yeah. This is so good. Yeah, Madison. Yeah, that's so good, Madison. And the fact is, the Apostle Paul, as, a, as an example, knew culture. He engaged culture. He, he was not um, an isolationist, Madison. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, where you isolate from culture. Paul is very clear. Be in culture. Jesus said, be the light of the world. And to engage culture, you've got to be in culture. So that is so good. Um, somebody else on how we live this out. Yeah, Randy. Question. Yes, sir. Why did Paul tell Timothy not to get involved in social affairs? Um, I, as I'm recalling, yeah. okay, he's talking about uh, the social affairs of fairy tales. Am I am I getting at it? Help me. What did he say? What's the reference? Name and address. Second Timothy one. He instructs Timothy not to get distracted by social involvement because it will lead you away from the gospel. Yeah, and I'm trying to find where that is, Randy. Yeah, I didn't look it up before. Okay, yeah, yeah. So typically here's what, when Paul talks to Timothy or to Titus, who are launching ministry in both Crete and Ephesus, two really tough places to do that, he typically, is the trajectory he's taking is stay away from what he calls old wives' tales, is what he says. Stay away from gossip slanders regarding genealogies and other things. Stay out of these, these things because it's only going to be a distraction. But there's nothing that I'm recalling, and I, and I certainly am not, have a perfect memory. I don't recall him saying, don't be involved in social justice, like making sure the poor get food or something like that. I think that Paul would, in fact, encourage that based on the model of Jesus, that Jesus gave free food. I, that's clear. But never as a substitution for the gospel. The gospel must... In other words, he said, you can give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, right? Or you can give a cup of cold water in the name of humanism. Anybody can give a cup of cold water. But we do it in the name of Jesus. That's like Habitat for Humanity. Anybody can help. Nailbenders, the Southern Baptist, you know, social justice program. Anybody can help build a house, 
but can you do it in Jesus' name? And so I think that's what Paul is talking about. But, but if you get a reference, I would love that. So, Okay, it, it's, we're at the hour. Um, uh, Dakota, did you have a question? No? Mom, yeah, Andrew? I just, I just had the reference. Oh, okay, what is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. If that if that is the reference you have in mind, then I think Andrew's on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You all, this is so good. Um, so to push the point, Patch, um, what fights are you going to get in on? What are you going to do? Know your gift, function out of your gift. Uh, it, it could be when you're checking out at, at the restaurant, who you're saying hi to. I, I tell you what, Jesus, if you recall, he said a lot about meal sharing, didn't he? And in fact, um, uh, tell me your name. I'm Haley. Hi, Haley. I'm Hello. Chris. I'm so glad you're here. Thank, Thank you, you for speaking up. So, Haley, um, if, if you're reading the Gospels, Jesus says a lot of, uh, Jesus was accused of making mistakes because he invited the wrong people to the dinner table, right? Yes, frequently. Frequently. And that's the whole point. It was yes. his daily, Bread. weekly, monthly, yearly practice to invite the wrong people to dinner. And the Pharisees and scribes, they didn't like that. And they, they said, this is a spiritual problem because clean things don't mix with unclean things. And if he is inviting sinners to the table, then that means Jesus is a sinner. Right? That, I mean, that, man, that comes up all, all in the Gospels. So yeah, who you invite to dinner, who you say hi to can really reflect so much about things. So, all right, I want to pray. Uh, man, thank you, Christchurch, for owning this. People online, um, if you guys um, have questions online, post them to me. Uh, you can send an email to discoverchristchurch at gmail.com, and I'll gladly field your questions as best that I'm capable of. So um, I want to pray and bless you. My, right now, the whole, I'm praying the Holy Spirit's going to speak. Hey, this is how I can get in on the fight of being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I'm a father. I love you, and I thank you. Thank you for each person that's here. Thank you for Haley. Um, I'm a father. Would you um, guide us in discovering how we can make a difference in this world so that when we do put our head on the pillow at night, we feel really good that we have done our best. We fought the good fight of faith, unashamed of the gospel of your son, willing to love, willing to risk. Thank you that you call us to the way of wisdom. We're asking now in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen.